Welcome to the Pursuit of Wellbeing podcast. My name's Maria Brosnan. I'm the founder of Pursuit and your host for the show. This podcast is dedicated to providing wellbeing information, inspiration, and support for teachers, leaders, and school staff around the world. Before we get started, you can find a video version of this episode on our YouTube channel, Pursuit of Wellbeing. My guest today is Therese Hoyle. Therese has over 25 years teaching experience in mainstream and special education. Since 1996, Therese has worked nationally and internationally with over 450 schools and 14,500 individuals. She's inspired them with their programs, Flourishing Schools, Keys to Wellbeing, Positive Playtime, Circle Time, Positive Behaviour Management, Emotional Literacy and Leadership Coaching programs. Therese has a passion for creating positive school environments and for supporting children in reaching their full and true potential. I love that. Therese, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Maria. That's a lovely welcome. Thank you. You're very welcome. Great to have you here. Um, I know that you work with, with everybody in the school environment, from children to teachers to leaders. And I think it's a good place to start that we're, we're all coming back to schools. I know most schools haven't haven't shut at all but you know we're at the beginning of the new academic year in 2020 what should we be looking for to support everybody across school but mainly for this podcast we're talking about teachers and leaders can you start to talk about what would support uh, people in those roles as we come back into schools I think it's yes just being really mindful of our own well-being as we come back into school and we're so good as teachers kind of we jump in and we're keen we're enthusiastic we're ready to get into the school year and we've had a you know we've had a lovely six-week holiday where hopefully teachers have recharged they've disconnected from work um, they've had time for themselves and there is a you know I know for myself when I was teaching there's such a great danger of just going you know health leather let's you know get get in with the kids um, and then we forget ourselves we let ourselves go we forget to take pause moments to take care of ourselves we don't have a lunch break um we we keep going till six o'clock and leave school and then we're marking at home um although that is, is changing at the moment um, with you know what's going on but but uh, yeah actually we just let go of our own self-care and then what happens is we get to half term we're absolutely exhausted and um it's often when we get sick too yeah. So actually my kind of will, you know, what I'd love to see as leaders just taking and teachers taking, you know, being really mindful of their own self-care as we're going through the day. What pause moments are they taking for themselves? What healthy habits have they got in place? Are they eating you know, healthily? Are they having enough water? Are they taking a lunch break? Um, yes. What are they, are they taking a walk around the block at lunchtime to get out of the building? What are they actually doing to them? For themselves because we are so amazingly good at giving um and you know like everything i know for myself as a teacher um i burnt out twice in my career so i have ha- ha- had to work really hard on this and i think that's why i teach it now too but i just think if we keep giving out as you, we all know if you keep giving out don't put anything in then you end up on empty so mm-hmm. we have to it was something i want to pick up on something you said there uh, you said so many wonderful things already but when you said pause moments talk us through what do you mean by a pause moment well i think a lot of us in life we speed through we're often what i call hurry sickness um and we 
don't stop to smell the roses, you know, classic expression. But we, we, life just then starts to happen to us because we haven't spent enough time actually working out where we want, where we're going. And when we take pause moments, we have more control of our life. And pause moments can be just time um, in the day where you just, you know, you just pause and you stop and you think, check in with your body, like, how am I feeling? Are my shoulders tense? Okay, I need to relax them a bit. My head's gone really racy. I'm just kind of racing, you know, often our body's still, but our mind's racing. So, you know, how can we actually still that ourselves just for a few minutes? And it can, pause moments can happen even when you're just doing the washing up. So you're just taking a little, you know, going more slowly, being more gentle with your body, softening your body, um, and just taking a gentle breath as well. So you're kind of breathing in and breathing out and just connecting back to yourself, which is so important because most of us are not in our bodies most of the time, but in our heads. Exactly. And we, we miss so much. And our bodies really give us so much information, don't they? When our shoulders are tight and when our breathing is really shallow, mm. that's a sign. It's, you know, our body's giving us clues that we need to do something. I find myself when I, I loved your, the, the image of just being that we're racing. And I find with myself when I'm in that kind of racing mode, just to physically force myself, if I'm writing, say, for example, just to slow down my writing. It makes seconds difference in what I'm actually doing, but just to consciously slow down really does help calm down, doesn't it? I love that, Marie. Yes, so much. I've had to work really hard on this today. <laughs> but just even opening a door, we race, don't we, Tom? Yeah. Um, but just actually let's hold the door and open it slowly. And when we put the taps on, we're washing our hands all the time now. So, you know, when we're putting the taps on, do it slowly. Don't race, you know, because we're, we're, our bodies are in such a hurry in schools. I know for myself when I'm in school and I've taught, it's, yeah, we're just always that hurry sickness. We're in that, but just those moments, toilet, going to the toilet is a perfect moment. <laughs> You're pausing. So, yeah, just, you know, take your pause moment turn the tap on but do it gently do it slowly those can be your moments so yes yeah i i have a friend actually and he he loves cycling and he goes for cycles on sunday mornings and you know it's all about the speed and getting where he's going really fast and back and checking in with his timer and all of that stuff and one morning he was doing that and he just felt exhausted and he thought, you know what, I'm, I'm just not going to race this morning because he was only racing himself. And he was racing, there's a, a track along the beach and he noticed the birds and he noticed someone was doing, you know, paras, paragliding, parasailing. And, and so he just slowed down enough to see these things and he got to the end and he went down to the end of the pier and he came back. And when he got back, he'd realised that his, his cycle was only two minutes longer than normal anyway. But he'd enjoyed it so much more. And you make such a beautiful point that when we slow down, it's not really going to take us much more time to wash our hands slowly or open the door just more consciously or more slowly. But the difference it makes in our body is huge. It's huge. And we're just connecting back to ourselves. And you remind me of a time when we used to live in New Zealand and I remember climbing a mountain there. And I was with a crowd who were avid walkers and hikers and um, I was really slow because I just kept wanting to, because they are beautiful flowers and I, wanted, and I was like, why are they racing to the top? And they were just, their aim was just to get to the top. Yes. And I think, you know, sometimes we're like that in school. Our aim is to get to lunchtime. Our aim is to, you know, um, 
to you know get everything done before the end of playtime lunch times mm. um so yeah let's not race so much let's be mm. slower yeah lovely lovely and you said something else that was lovely about going for a walk at lunchtime mm. a lot of a lot of teachers feel that that's not possible or practical talk us through how your approach to them um, I actually was in a, a school working, um, doing my flourishing schools day on Monday and it was um, their inset day and I was just talking to them about actually sometimes just getting out of the school building can be so good for us and they get a bit of vitamin D, walk around the block, um, just get away from, you know, we, we can walk with a friend if you want to have a chat with a friend, but try not to talk about what's going on in the classroom, try and talk about something else, but just take that time to get out of the school building, get some fresh air, listen to the birds, you know, it, it, you know that our senses often, when we're busy, our senses aren't alive, so it's like, you know, you're, what you can hear, like you were saying, um, what you can smell, taste, touch, um, all of the, built, make those senses come alive um, because that way we shut down the voices in our head too. So on that walk, you could think about, you know, what can I smell? What can I see? What can I touch? Um, yeah, what can I hear? Um, and just, yeah, you might, you know, it might be, I take a cup of tea with you, but, but just make an enjoyable experience and um, that time to just get away get out of the building and and clear your head before you go back in to be with the children because actually when we're in that good place who is it that actually picks that up when we get back into the classroom i think we all know don't we <laughs> exactly it's <laughs> exactly. our children you know they're real lightning conductors of our mood so when we're regulated then they are too and I know the teachers I was speaking to the other day, I was like, yes, when you're having a bad day, then who is it who picks it up? Um, it's the children and usually their behaviour is a bit off the wall when that's the case. Yeah, yeah. And to pick up on one point about going for a walk, that's even probably more practical and useful given the situation with staff rooms at the moment, that it's not always possible or, you know, every school has got a different situation with their staff room, but certainly it's not a place that everybody can go at lunchtime. So getting outside could be a really good option in the yeah, short yeah, lovely idea too and just maybe having a lunch outside if the weather's okay yeah um, but yeah just yeah even if it's not a, it's a gray day it's still nice to get outside yeah and then back to your point about regulation because we talk a lot about as, as teachers and educators helping our children and young people especially in primary school but to to learn to self-regulate and to take a breath and to count to 10 or to say you're sorry and all of these things that we we teach children to do we sometimes forget to do for ourselves so can you talk a little bit more about self-regulation you've already given us some beautiful ideas but what else can we do to take on that idea of self-regulation yeah it comes back to ourselves and our own self-care again because yeah we and we can only co-regulate with children when we're regulated ourselves so um i i in there i've got some um hand some um, well my well-being toolkit which I know you're going to have in the show notes but um, I talk about having daily habits and setting up habits in your day where you're really giving to yourself so I mean three times at least three times in your day where you take time for yourself and that might mean you wake up in the morning just you know recently actually I've been getting up half an hour earlier just so that I can do a bit of Pilates or I can take the dog for a walk or do something that can help you know help me and I know so many of my clients are doing the same as well just you know, getting up in the morning, having a little walk, doing some meditation, um, 
to really take care of themselves and then how you know like we just said take time out at lunchtime um so many teachers and you know and leaders particularly too when they go back when we leave school they we often take you know boxes briefcases home with all our work in mm. and i just think you know and then we go back home and we you know we end up working too but actually where is the the disconnect as well how can we disconnect and sometimes you know for many teachers they're going home to families and yeah. the busyness of home as well so you're leaving school and you and, and where's your pause moment between home and school and i know um some of my clients actually before they get home they stop off they might stop in a little car park they might stop here you know, to look you know beautiful view uh, over a lake or river or whatever they don't all have that but sometimes they'll just stop in a little car park to just take time for themselves before they get home so it might just be five minutes pause time for yourself to breathe to kind of get your head up together around the day what's gone well what hasn't you know what hasn't gone well maybe how that could you know you can deal with that next tomorrow but that connecting back to ourselves um and then you know just maybe a couple of minutes to just take some deep breaths um a gentle i often talk about gentle breaths of breathing in really gently and breathing out gently mm. um and then you know then can kind of go well, actually i'm ready now to go home I'm ready to you know deal with the children and you know yeah. fine with my kids because that's what we want to do too when we get home we want to be that wonderful person <laughs> that we can be rather than that tired exhausted person who's had a really busy day so actually yeah how can we replenish ourselves just before we get home um and and there is that we are so good sometimes at taking so much work home so actually there's a reality sometimes let's see if we can get it all done in school so we don't have to take it home um yeah sometimes we take that box into our homes and then it pulsates guilted us all night um we haven't done it we don't do anything with it but it just you know have you ever had that <laughs> oh my gosh it's just hanging over your head like some awful <laughs> box of guilt yeah it is yeah and it just it just drains our energy so often i say stuff just leave it in the boot if you need it go out and get it but don't put it in your living room so it's doing that pulsating guilt guilt at you so um yeah because there are energy drains and we you know want to eliminate as many energy drains from our lives as we can yeah tell tell us more about energy drains yeah often and it's a toolkit and, and it's i will put a, a link to it. it's a lovely free toolkit that yeah tell us what what do you mean by an energy drain and and how can we eliminate them well often my courses i do i and it's in my toolkit too is i talk about something called toleration being toleration free so it's about getting rid of the things that are draining your energy and often we just don't take time for that and so uh, on a lot of course that um online courses i've run over lockdown um they people have said to me oh my goodness that was the best thing i could have done to work out what were the things that are draining my energy because they're quite a lot mm -hmm. and i sometimes get i can't get clients to write them all down and they can come up with up, up to 50 but it you know i don't know if you've had situations where you've got and i you know many of us have got toasters that haven't worked for years they're in the garage we still haven't got rid of them um, or kettles and actually you know we need to do a good old garage clear out get rid of things that are draining it our energy in fact i was talking to some friends like, a couple of weeks ago and they said to me oh we're doing a garage clear out so i was like oh you've really inspired me so the other week i did it and 
it was really interesting because I still have things from um, I'm divorced now, but I had things from my when I of, you know with my ex partner, and I they were his things, and I just I just don't need these in my environment anymore. So I took them all to the dump, and it was amazingly freeing and uh, freeing and clearing. And I think you know sometimes, and it's, it's things like that where we've got things around us that are energetically draining us. When we look at them, maybe they reflect somebody or something that wasn't so pleasant in our life. And actually, by getting rid of them, we don't ever have to think about them again, and that can be healthy. Um, and other things like um, I don't know if you've ever paint, started to paint a wall and got the tester paint <laughs> <laughs> but I know for myself that you know many years ago I, I, I used to live in London so I got the tester paints put them on the wall and um, they were on the wall for about nine months <laughs> and, and every time I passed it I kept thinking oh I need a paint let's do the wall yeah yeah and that's a drain and so when eventually I decided to hire somebody to come and paint because there's no way I was going to have the time to paint. So it's things like that when we make the decision, actually, I keep looking, every time I look at it, it drains my energy. I need to do something about it. A client of mine, she's a um, consultant, chess consultant, and she, she's, she tied, cleared up her office. And she said it was really interesting because people perceived her differently. They kept coming in being much more respectful, um, yeah, it's just a really different working atmosphere. So it can be those just really little things that we just need to sort out. And we might even need a towel rail in our bathroom because people are dumping towels on the floor. So little things. So what I'd suggest is anybody looking today is like, think about what in your life, you know, think about five to 10 things that actually are draining your energy right now and write them on, on the, um, in the worksheets that I've, um, you can download and um, clear them up. Clear them up, <laughs> sort them out, get rid of them. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And another way, I, I, when I work with clients, I have a similar idea, but things that are in your environment, say if you're trying to lose weight, for example, or you're trying to cut down on sugar or coffee or things like that, get them out of your environment. Yeah. Don't have a bowl of sweets or a plate of biscuits in the staff room. If you really don't want to eat sugar, then take it away so it's not, kind of draining you you have to make a decision every time oh should I have one just just what okay, okay two <laughs> and you have to keep making these decisions if you don't if you don't want to eat it then take it out of your environment and, you, and, and then you just don't have to make that decision and it's another way of just stopping that decision fatigue and that draining that is so true actually remind me makes me laugh actually because I was at my partner's this weekend at his house he's off off sugar and I was like have you got any biscuits? Have you got? That's like no, there's nothing in the house with any sugar. <laughs> <laughs> but then it takes the choice away, doesn't it? Yeah, it was very good for me. So. <laughs> Great. Well, let's get back into the staff room. And how can we look at creating? You talk about creating a clear self-care action plan that can support you in creating health and vitality and a positive mindset. Can you talk us through some ideas on how people can do that? So I think we've talked about what I said so far, we've talked about tolerations, getting rid of those. That's number step one. Yeah. Step two, creating pause moments. Yeah. Step three, I'd say, is thinking about your daily habits. So we've said having at least three times in your day where you're thinking about giving to yourself mm -hmm. um, and, and setting those up You know, I, I, in the um, worksheets you'll find um, some information about daily habits it might be just a daily habit at the end of the day where you have a beautiful bath and with lovely essential oils like you said eating healthily 
putting out your sugar. Um, but yes, just thinking about, you know, what's going to, you might be at the end of the day going for a lovely walk. I know quite a lot of people I spoke to over lockdown have put walks into their day. You know, five, many people were cutting off work at five o'clock and then just going, and I know I did with my daughter too. We just always go for a walk at five o'clock. And, um, and I just think, yeah, type, put something into your, your plan in terms of taking care of yourself at the end of the day too. Where, you know, if you've got children, you know, having time away from them too, and that might be in a lovely bath where nobody's allowed in, just you. Um, <laughs> but yeah, something for you in terms of those daily habits, but also have something what I call a weekly care plan, which is where I, I suggest staff go into well-being wells. And um, it comes from the concept of the World Health Organization has the concept of teacher well-being encompasses. Um, they they've got, I've got they've got five, which is physical, mental, emotional, social, spiritual, and I've got a sixth, which is creative as well. So it's thinking about mentally, um, what you're doing to mentally take care of yourself. And I suggest um, and and just go back and go into the worksheets as well, the well-being toolkit, um, and have a little look if you're watching right now. And think about what are you doing really well. Praise, you know, it's so important for us to look at what we're doing well and praise ourselves because we can be so harsh on ourselves and have a really strong inner critic. So working on that in terms of saying, you know, well, what am I doing well? Where mentally am I taking care of myself? Am I good social emotionally? Have I had time with family and loved ones? Have I got a good social network? People who support me. And it, and I think teachers are under so much pressure right now so much stress that actually connection is very important and I think that's what worried me when I was in school um, at the beginning of the week was actually it, wor it does worry me with coronavirus how we can't hug each other we can't um, you know in classrooms as well we're not always children facing the front um, you know we all need connection eye connection we all need we all do need touch too um, but how are we connecting? Um, and I think before I came on, I mentioned that there's somebody local, a local teacher who has committed suicide, which has just been absolutely dreadful. Mm. But I just think actually, you know, if only she'd reached out and talked and socially connected with somebody else and asked for help, you know, it's really difficult often to ask for help. But maybe if somebody else, you know, some, you know, we need to attune to each other. Um, when people's behaviours change too, because often we can see, you know, when that going into that social emotion, well, if a member of your family, their behaviours start to change, they're more angry, more they cry more, another colleague of yours you notice is angry or cries more, you know, tune into them, try and find out what's going on and what support they need, because actually um, that could make all the difference to their lives too. Yeah, because you what we've what we've spoken about so far, you know, some people might be listening to this and feeling like, oh, you know, it's it might be a bit frivolous or a bit silly to go for a walk or have a bath or you know connect with people. But you know, you tell a devastating story of a of a teacher that's committed suicide, and and it's very sobering to think that this is real. You know, that the pressures that people are feeling are real, and it's not something you know we often feel quite lonely when when we're feeling down it feels like it's only us but if we can just take a tiny step to reach out mm -hmm. to do something for ourselves to reach out to just tell somebody you know and i know the education support partnership will put the number for them they have a very good helpline so if you're feeling anything like uh, that you can't cope in any way please reach out for help it's a plea from us that 
this is not um, this is not light and fluffy stuff we're talking about when we're talking about well-being. No, it's serious, and I just you know I think there is. I know I had a family member over COVID. We lost um, my stepdad and our family, one of my family members. Um, his behaviour changed, and I, you know, spoke to my mum about it. And actually, he was suffering with depression, and not, you know, it was just been a really hard time. And actually, by noticing that change in behaviour, we were just give it, you know, put support in. But actually, you know, and actually, it's that we talk about attuning to children, but. Sometimes we need all the wall. We need to not only attune to children, we need to attune to each other, whether it's family, whether it's our colleagues, um, clients, whatever. We, yeah, it's about that attunement of, you know, are, are they okay? Yeah, and, and especially, you know, at schools, as I said earlier, you know, staff rooms are not the, the hub of the school for the, for the time being anyway. So we need to make extra efforts. Uh, not just the senior leaders going down and checking in on the teachers, it's the teachers as well. It's We're all equals in this in terms of taking care of ourselves. We need, of course, to take that personal responsibility, but just to be a bit aware and, and treat each other with perhaps a bit more kindness or toleration or tolerance, um, compassion, yeah. <laughs> each other just a bit more space because everybody's doing the best we can do. Oh, right. And you know, I always, I often say, it's always the small things that matter. It's never the big things. So it's the little things that people do. It's, you know, I've seen um, colleagues bring in chocolates for somebody when they've had a down day. I know for myself, when I was still teaching, I was having a very challenging time with a, um, with a teenage daughter who's a wonderful daughter now. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember, yeah, um, a colleague brought, put flowers in my room and um, I just was like so touched. It just made my day. And, so, you know, just, yeah, it, does, it doesn't have that to ever be anything major. It's just the fact I'm just talked about you or sent you a little note or, you know, um, I often talk about setting up kindness buddies in school too. So um, somebody makes you a cup of tea and, uh, you know, we often have the secret Santas where we set somebody up and, you know, we pull, pull names out of hats and you don't know who it is who's going to be kind to you. And um, yes, in the, in the winter months, that person might say, oh, can I do your playground duty or um, bring you a cup of tea or um, leave a just kind note on your desk. Um, but just, I'm just checking with you. So it's really, really important at the moment. Um, to, and, and I all the stats, you know, all the research around kindness is shows that when we're actually kind to somebody else, um, that actually releases all the endorphins in our own body as well. So. Um, we get all they often say it's referred to as a morphine, a bit of a morphine high um, from being kind to somebody else. So it's true. It's so true. We can feel it, and and there is a lot of research, and that's long lasting. Mm. Those the benefits of being generous and just very small random acts of kindness to other people have a huge impact on our well-being. And talk to me more about uh, rewards and appreciation. Uh, is there anything else that you would want to say about how, it, do, do we need to set that up more formally in school? Or what would you recommend for that? I, I really would suggest now, and I, so I've been suggesting to my school for a long time now, but it is that we meet at least every half term, probably every three weeks right now, but at least every half term to have, you know, meet, I, call, I, I work on developing coaching circles in schools. Um, but, and I do it with children, but we need to do it as a staff where we're not talking about the curriculum. We're actually checking in and talking about ourselves and what we're doing to take care of ourselves. And we're actually, you know, we can appreciate each other as well for, um, 
uh, I, I often get staff to think about when was the last time they were appreciated at school. Mm. Yeah, and and it's just so gorgeous when people say, well, yeah, um, Sally over there, she was, you know, notice I did this amazing, amazing display. And, so, and you see teachers just light up because yeah. somebody has actually praised them and you see how important it is yeah. and there sometimes i see teachers you know i've had head teachers say to me um and i've, I've talked to conferences and i've had head teachers say i remember what i remember vividly a head teacher standing up and saying i'm just about to leave the profession and i've had flowers i've had let letters i've had emails i've had beautiful cards but actually i needed these before yeah actually i've just had you know so i'm always dealing with problems and firefighting and actually i would have loved to have all this appreciation before because maybe it might have made me stay in the profession a bit longer so actually i just think actually our heads really you know please remember to to value your heads for what they're doing because they've got a really really hard job um and yeah so they're not they're often the ones that get forgotten because they're at the top of the tree and they say to, often say to me because i coach a lot of head teachers and they say to me yeah actually you know i don't no idea if i you know what people think of me and you know sometimes their confidence dips too um because actually they just need a little bit of feedback that they're doing the right thing and i've had some heads through lockdown um because they said actually our communication systems have been amazing with really really you know we've met regularly on zoom which you know they've had those meetings together um and they said to me oh you know our relationships are so strong yeah. and actually i feel really appreciated because i've had more appreciation than i've ever had so yeah. you know it, it, it's been really wonderful to hear that from, from her teachers and i think what we've learned most of us, I would hope, through this through this experience of lockdown and all of the various things that have happened throughout the academic year so far, is that well-being is so important. You know, we've paid lip service to it for many, many years. We've both worked in this area for a long, long time. And people kind of think that it's yoga and yogurt, right, that we put on free, <laughs> free things from time to time. And, and it's well-meaning and it's good. But it's so much more than that. It's so much deeper. And this feels like a golden opportunity for us to, to take it seriously, to care for each other, to care for ourselves. And the ripple effect of that out to our students, to our families, to our community is unimaginable. It's worth thinking about, you know, how could our, be, our world be different if we all cared for each other or looked after ourselves or, yeah. yeah um, yeah, to really, really focus on our own well-being because it's not being selfish. And I think a lot of people, of us, you know, I came from a generation where you take care of yourself. Actually, yourself, it's selfish. But actually, you know, it is. It, we can't give to others. We can't pour from it if we aren't taking care of ourselves. But like we're a bit like a bank, bank balance with zero in the bank. You can't draw anything out. So um, it's essential. Yeah, and well, to extend that metaphor, or we go into debt, and that debt then we pay back at half term when we're exhausted and or burnt out, and and the implications of that are serious, and we need to take them seriously. Yeah, and we are seeing more health problems. I think that's yeah. Let's let's not um, increase those statistics. Let's lower them. Yeah. Well, we're coming to the end of that conversation. Therese, is there anything else you'd like to add before we before we wrap up? Um, I think just um 
just yeah, I'd suggest that anybody watching this just gets into the wellbeing toolkit, has a look and, and works through some, you know, has to look at some of those worksheets and are very welcome to contact me and Maria um about them too. Um and um yeah, it's just it's it's just great to talk about this with you, Maria, and just reinforce how important it is, particularly at this point in the school time. Yeah. Great, thank you. Well, my guest today has been Therese Hoyle. She's the best-selling author of 101 Playground Games, 101 Wet Playtime Games. I would love to see those games. And contributing author of How to Be a Peaceful School. I, just the title of that makes me feel peaceful. All of these are available through her website, which is theresehoyle.com, and I'm sure they're available in other places as well. Is that right? Yeah, they are. Yeah, they're on Amazon. So. Okay, fantastic. <laughs> Great. Um, and plus she's got many wonderful free resources on her website, including the Wellbeing Toolkit we've referred to through this podcast. You can connect with Therese on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook at Therese Hoyle. Therese, thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast. Thank you, Mary. It's been delightful talking with you. Thanks so much for listening. Now check out our website, pursuitwellbeing.com and take our free teacher anxiety quiz. I'll include the link in the description below. The quiz only takes a couple of minutes and you'll get a better understanding of where you are today, plus tips to immediately feel better. If you enjoyed the podcast, please hit the subscribe button in your podcast app. And if you feel inspired, please rate and review it and share it with your friends. I love getting your feedback and learning how we can improve our program.